Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for listening. This is Through the Winters Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. We have a lot of stuff lined up for you guys today. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, guys, what's going on? I'm going to share with you just a little bit of what to expect in this week's episode. In the second half, I'm going to talk to you guys about my low moments. I'm going to share with you about some of my times where I wonder, do I matter? And does it even matter if I'm gone? And uh, coming up next, we're going to continue our conversation about depression. The last couple of weeks, we were talking about depression in the church and how it does exist in the people that attend church. And today, we're going to get a little more in detail about the topics of how depression can veer its head in different ways and the different forms that it may take in our lives. Hope this is a blessing to you guys. Let's go. Hey everyone, we are on week three of our discussion on depression, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the mindset of depression, but before we do that, we just want to once again make sure that we understand what we're talking about here. We're talking about the emotional and mental state of those who are going through depression, not those who are suffering chemically. Chemically and clinically, yes. Chemically and clinically, um, with a diagnosis of depression where you actually do need um, certain medications and things like that. Right. Um, So we're talking about those that are mental and emotional, just when you start going through a funk kind of thing. Uh, So Marsha, start us off. Well, the first thing that I want to say is, even if you are on antidepressants, there are still choices that we need to make in order to get through depression. A lot of us think that, you know, well, the antidepressants are supposed to cure us of depression. That's actually not true. Uh, Antidepressants do not cure you. You still have choices that you need to make. So it can be interesting that someone can start off on antidepressants and they can feel a, a great change. They can feel like things are getting better. but it's giving a balance internally. Right. But now it, they have choices to make mentally. Right. So they, have, they are getting the balance that is needed, but they still feel sad. They still feel upset. And they think they have to up the dose. They think that they have to uh, maybe, maybe get a different kind. But that's actually not what antidepressants are supposed to do it's not supposed to make you feel happy that's a whole nother kind of drug yeah. uh we are talking about <laughs> antidepressants where it makes you think clearer and once you thought clearer if it once you're thinking clearer you can make choices better right exactly uh, we So for today, we are going to talk about the mind. We're going to talk about some things that our mind needs to stop doing in order to get us, up, get us out of depression. And maybe those antidepressants can actually work a little better. So understand that this is not to replace antidepressants. You don't stop doing your medication or taking your medications or seeing your therapist. What you are going to be doing is start exercising some different ways in which we can think so that we can get through the depression better. So again, to clarify, we're talking about the mindset. Right. How do we deal with mentally when we have these phases of depression, when we go through these modes, when we go through these things? Right. Let's get the right mindset in helping us deal with the mode. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to talk about four but it's definitely more. I'm going to talk about four main things that those who struggle with depression do, and we have to kind of change it, all right? So the very first thing, which can sound really mean, but it's about being self-centered and being being so self-absorbed. 
So a lot of people who struggle with with depression are very focused on themselves. They focus on their failures. They focus on their struggles. They focus on their insecurities. It's a me-centered struggle. Does that include things like a... How come I don't have what this person does? Like yes. what I don't have either kind of thing? Yes. So what can be something very simple, like someone can already be having a bad day, has nothing to do with the person who's struggling with depression. And that person uh, could say something wrong to the person that's struggling with depression. And automatically it's, it's what did I do? This is me. This, uh, this is why I never have close relationships with people. It can start off yelling at me. Yes. And, and then what should have been just that person's issue, because that person is going through something, they now switch it to them and it becomes a them issue. Well, this is what always happens to me. And this is what I always go through. So person A had a bad day, let it out on person B. Right. And person B thinks like, see, this is why I can't, you know, and they go into their own rut. Right. Meanwhile, that just happened to be the person they let, they vented it out on. And that's whatever. And And instead of person B, uh, saying, you know, are you having a bad day? Is everything okay? Reaching out to that person, you make it all about you. You make it all wow. about your issue. You you can't see past the fact that this person may be going through something. So instead of you turning around and being a help to someone, you just uh, you take it all in. You take it all in, and you I've make it all that. about yes. I've seen that a lot. I've seen people uh, instead of saying like. Hey Johnny, what what's going on? Because you know, acting yourself, with, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are they picking on me? It's always going to see. That's why I don't have any friends. That's why I don't trust people. That's why they you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. Johnny just had a bad day, and yeah, he was wrong for letting it out on you, but you mm-hmm. know, um, but it has nothing to do with you. But but the, if your mental state is already about that, right? Anything that ha- comes your way, you're already going to see it in an internal negative kind of way right right it's it's almost like in this state the light is always shining on you the light is always on you every failure every struggle every insecurity everything is shining on you and when the light even even when the light isn't shining on you you will make the light shine on you even if it's negative Mm. so you become your own focus now you may not say it out loud it may be something that you're saying to yourself so understand it's not something that you're vocalizing to people you're not going and saying look this 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 look this 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 look this 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 you're you're making it about you this is a internal battle that only you and yourself fight with okay so if you are you affirm it within yourself right you're affirming it within yourself so understand that those that may be struggling with depression are not very vocal about certain things if they are vocal it's taken the wrong way so they usually keep it to themselves okay Okay? Okay. the next one is that uh extreme thinking they're the thinking of a situation never gets measured to its actual like its actual capacity it becomes huge it becomes really big they make it more than it probably has to be right if you end up losing 50 dollars 
yes. you're you're out in the street and you end up losing fifty dollars and you can't find your fifty dollars you're already thinking to the extreme of how i'm gonna yell at you how i'm gonna think bad about you how you're a failure as a father how you're a failure as a husband how you always that, make mistakes is that how i should think about myself or who i feel the next person's gonna both yeah. Okay. You, you, when you're struggling with depression, you interpret other people's thoughts. This of always you. happens to me. You yes. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It becomes an extreme thinking. So instead of you just thinking, oh man, you know, Cece's going to be really upset with me, or Marsha's going to be really upset, or Sally's going to be really upset, or uh, David's going to be really upset, but you know what? They'll understand. In actuality, you get to this point where they've left you they want nothing to do with you they're mad the day's gonna be ruined the whole day is shot this is that exactly they're gonna judge wow so take it to an extreme i i I admit i've 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 at times been so fearful so scared and some and things like that where i've my mind goes into a whole lot of a whole nother world sometimes in that fear right so i can understand that one the next one that we can talk about is assuming the same thing that happened before will happen again. So one of the problems that people who struggle with depression is usually the relationships that they're having with someone. Mm. So if someone failed them, gotcha. uh, someone yeah. failed them in a certain situation, let's just say that you have a pastor who ended out attacking you or um, embarrassing you or you know i don't know the example but you know the pastor ends out doing something really mean and vicious you get yourself up you go to a different church the pastor loves you cares for you everything almost starts off the same way you have a struggle you you open up and you go and tell the pastor the situation you're expecting the exact same thing to start now you're scared to actually start talking to the person now you're because like, well, what if this person does exactly what the other person did, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, right. Yes. Yeah. So in those situations, you have a very hard time realizing that this is a new situation. This is this is a new person. So you are expecting the same results to happen that has happened before. So carrying pretty much this is carrying past experiences um, and situations into current ones, which now... Uh, I guess the right word would be cripple, cripple you yes. from trusting and moving forward in future relationships and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So now it keeps me in a state where I can't trust anybody or I'm scared to trust anybody right? because of what happens to me before. Uh, I don't want it to happen again and now you limit. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what's very interesting though? So if I were to become friends with this, with uh, person A mm-hmm. and I end out having a situation happen with person A when I end out stopping my relationship with person A and I start with person B some people who struggle with depression treat person B like they are person the same A same way like person A yeah so when the same thing happens with person B it reiterates or it mm-hmm. it validates their feeling that this is gonna constantly happen okay that I've definitely seen mm-hmm. um like you said, someone having an argument with one person, mm-hmm. and that turned out one way because of just the personalities of those two people. But now they have an argument with another totally different person, and they treat it as if it's the same thing. Right. And, and sometimes I've been on the other end where someone's treating me because 
I'm challenging them or I'm disagreeing with them on something, mm-hmm. they're treating me like someone else who that did they, that. They really now hard was like like look, I'm just trying to help you. Like, no, but you say about this. And I'm like, I never said that. Right. Like, oh, because in my experience, people who try to say this, they always say this. I'm like, okay, but that's not what I said. Right. So they, they like treat me as if, you know, someone else that dogged them just because there's a disagreement or, or uh, giving input on something. They get into a whole other mold. Right. Kind of and okay. they end up making themselves a victim all over again. Yes. Every it single... rehashes it all over. Yes. Yeah. So they say, everyone keeps doing this to me. So There's they, the big word. They overgeneralize everything. So instead of really hitting the moment for the moment, they treat the moment as if it's all Universal. the other... Yes. Yeah. So life always gets generalized it never gets taken care of for in the present moment mm-hmm. they they lump everything all together yeah. and it could be some similarities and maybe a word that's said and things like that but and sometimes those could be triggers right right so now they think oh here i go again or you know all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um i know i was haunted with the simple words of can i speak with you yes uh, because of a previous person who was over me you know, when they would say, can I speak with you? It was always to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, make me feel horrible about whatever I'm doing and all that kind of stuff. And so years later, I would go with someone and then now I'm with someone else. And another supervisor would tell me, hey, um, can I speak with you about something? My mind started, those simple words, can I speak with you? Mm-hmm. I thought I was in trouble again. I thought I was in trouble again. And meanwhile, they were like, oh, I just want to tell you, you did a great job. You know, what else can we, and how can we help you? I'm like... Mm-hmm. And my mind wasn't ready to receive that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it really put me in a in a whirlwind because just those simple words, "Can I speak with you?" triggered, "Oh, something's wrong." Right. You know, it was very interesting. You remember the story with with Dominic? Dominic is his boss right now. It's his pastor right now. And remember when Dominic had asked you to go out? Well, that's what I was, that's you? what I was yeah. talking about. Yeah. Right. But I love the fact that he stopped. Did he stop the vehicle? Because I was nervous, and he saw. He goes, "Are you okay?" And I'm like. Well, he's like, you want to speak to me? I'm afraid that I'm in trouble. He's like, no, I just wanted to go out for lunch. You know? But didn't he say, he's like, listen, when I really want to go out with you, I really just want to yeah, go yeah, out yeah, with yeah. you. Yeah, and he I'm, was making it clear. I'm not that guy that hurt you. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we need that person that will say to us, listen, I am not, not so-and-so. Yeah. I didn't do this to you. I'm not going to do that to you. But because we are so what self-centered, so self-absorbed, so, so paranoid, paranoid, scared, yes, yeah. we will we will become the same person that that other person victimized. So. And it's not people creating the world; it's sometimes us creating the world. Right now, granted, there are times where those feelings and those emotions will be valid. Right, people will have ill intentions. People, there will be. Uh, valid reasons for us to fear certain things because you know whatever right. but what we have to be what we're saying is we have to be careful about making this general for everything and everybody yes you know putting everybody in the same category that just winds up putting us into our own secluded state that's like that's why i can't trust anybody right when the truth is no there are people there you can trust you just gotta find them or surround yourself with them or stop surrounding yourself with people who do want to do you harm kind of thing right right i agree with that one of the other things is uh when we polarize things what's that now polarize things means that there's only it's only black and white like we have no gray area okay so it's it's always it's it's either all of this 
or it's all of this. There's there's nothing in between. We can't see our we can't see ourselves in that middle ground. And because we don't have any middle ground, our mind is constantly in the negative or seeing it in the positive. Now I'll which sounds really bad to say this, but sometimes people who struggle with depression will will even hope in something that looks like you should have no hope in it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You, they will put their their heart and their attention in something that's very obvious that it's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And then there then there are those where they will put they will have no relationship or they will have no hope in anything. So the problem is is to be able to get that middle ground. I know of one person that they would they would be attached to those those people that it was very obvious that they were going to hurt her okay she found herself attached to people who were hurting and it was because they looked like her they they smelled like her they they thought like her so because they were already hurting and they were already going through things she found herself exposing herself exposing herself emotionally to them now isn't that something that people do in general in my experiences of you know counseling and things like that sometimes people gravitate towards others that they can find common ground with and in a lot of cases that can be in a bad way like you know this person this person always sees the negative stuff too so <laughs> not that not, not not that i think they think that way but a negative person is drawn to another negative person wow. and thinks that they oh, they see it the way I do. Like, you both see everything in a negative way. Exactly. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it, you know, they, oh, they, they understand me. Yeah, because you're both depressed. Like, you're both, right. you're both suffering with depression. You're both, you know, but they think that that's common ground and they, they you know, the, the same thing attracts itself kind of thing. Right. And in those, in those moments... They find comfort in dysfunction. When those people do hurt Scary, them, that makes sense, yeah. but when those people do hurt them, it reiterates. You see, this is why. Yes. But you surround yourself with the same thing instead exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they polarize things and they make it either completely white or they make it completely black. They feel like they can only relate to people who struggle with depression and are dark and deep and that yeah. that kind of area and they will totally s- separate themselves from those who may could probably help them see things in a different way exactly yeah now I, I've I've also seen in in the whole polarizing thing I think I've seen people who totally reject just as much as they they attract themselves to those that they find the common ground with. Mm-hmm. They totally, totally reject um, anything positive. You know, you're trying to show them something positive. They're like, yeah. "What's what's your catch?" Right. I was like, "Wait a minute. The one who, <laughs> the one that you're leaning towards, who obviously doesn't look like it's going to help you much. You're more comfortable with that person than the person who's offering you something mm-hmm. better. Yeah. You're like, well, what's the catch? You know, well, well how come? You know, what 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 do you get out of it? Like, right. nothing. I'm just offering you a handshake. You know. Right. Um, but so that like. They think that there's a that there's, there's some kind of underlining, right. you know, kind of thing, and so to me that's that's scary too because your mind is already used to. I think you already said it. Your mind's already used to uh, what it's used to. It's used to those hurting things. It's used to those damage effects, um, and that's where we find comfort as opposed to 
even the hope of things can be better. Right. You know, I can have a friend that I can actually trust. Right. Oh. And then l- lastly, uh, I think this is an extra one, is that I will say this, feelings are real. True. Feelings are real, but they're not truth. Right. When you struggle with depression, you feel that your feelings are equal to the truth. And that is not the case at all. Yes, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. In these moments, for those that are struggling, if they feel like they are hated, then their feelings that they are hated means that they're hated. If they feel that they are rejected, that means that they are rejected. So you can't even get them to believe that they are loved, that they are welcomed, that they are wanted, they are accepted because their feelings behind closed doors that are obviously not telling them the truth means more to them than what the actual truth is. Right. And they refuse to, not that they refuse, but it's very hard for them to even think that maybe their feelings are wrong. Okay, um, so to clarify, the feeling and the emotion that you're going through is valid because right. it is what you feel. Right. It is what, at that moment, is is being processed in your mind. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily always mean that that feeling is actual truth. Right. You know. Um, so, like you said, uh, everyone hates me. It, it's just because of what's happening at that moment. It's right. because of the circumstance of what just evolved or, or, or things like that. But it's not the truth. People, not everyone hates you. And, right. But you go into the mindset, no, it's everyone. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so, okay. So, yes, I, I totally agree with that. And, yeah, seeing that also, too. Their yeah. feelings become their validation of truth. And you can't be led by your feelings. This morning I was listening to a preacher and she said something that will stick with me for a very long time. So you remember the story of, of Isaac, Isaac and Jacob and Esau? Mm-hmm. So Isaac was the father of Jacob and Esau. And Esau was the hairy one. Yes. Was the hairy twin, while Jacob was the, the twin that had no, no hair on Not him as much at all. Of anything, yeah. Right. And um, Isaac felt that he was dying. His eyes were, his eyes had failed him. He was pretty much blind. And he told Esau, I think I'm about to die. Go out and buy me, go buy me. Make go, me my favorite food. Yeah, go, yeah. go make me my favorite venison. But that means that he'd have to kill something. Yeah. So while he's out, Jacob wants to steal the blessing that Isaac has planned to give Esau. Yeah. So what does he do to to mask himself as Esau? His mama helps him conspire against dad. <laughs> no, but Stop um, it. but uh, he puts down the the fur on right. him and all that kind of stuff. I think even like the smell, right? And everything. So you know what's interesting is that before Isaac gives Jacob the blessing, who's pretending to be Esau, what does he do? He wants to touch him, make sure it's him. He want and he wants to feel him. Yeah. His feelings were true his feelings were real but they weren't true okay you you it in a literal sense yes okay. because he felt him mm-hmm. and it had he had the exact same fur feeling which that man must have been very hairy exactly and he had the exact same smell yep 
but the voice was different. So that means that even though we can feel things, that doesn't mean our feelings are accurate. It takes everything. We have to use all of our senses to come to an interpretation. That means we have to use our sight. We have to use our hearing. We have to use our touch, our emotions. Yeah, because our senses can sometimes fool us, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Lights are off and you're looking at something, you see a shadow, you think it's, you know person walking by you turn it on it's just the wind blowing your hat right you know but it does look like it, it looks right? like yeah so 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 you have to use your other senses you have to use your other ways of thinking and say okay i know there's no one in my room you know there's probably you know this this blowing that or whatever or something else moving you know you think you hear something mm-hmm. you know you smell something that triggers another thing mm-hmm. you know so okay i got you yeah that you, you rely on just one particular thing to make a judgment call when you know you gotta rely on more than just sometimes mm-hmm. that one thing you gotta look at it in other perspectives right and if we wouldn't do that in the natural if we wouldn't just take putting our hand in in something strange and feeling it to determine what it is mm-hmm. you we can't do it even in the spiritual sense we can't just let our feelings okay. determine yeah. what is going on yeah. so where where do we need to go right now? I want to read one scripture for you. That's well, a lot. We covered all these different ways of things manifest. Yes. So, yeah, what is a cure, remedy, uh, perspective? Uh, well, there is no, there, there's no <laughs> cure or remedy. Yeah. The only thing that we have truly is obedience. Okay. Okay. And there's one thing and one verse, I should say, that gives us something to do and we need to obey. So Philippians chapter four, verse eight. I'm going to read this in the amplified version. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right. And confirmed by God's word, whatever Say that is again. confirmed by God's word, okay. whatever is pure and wholesome, and whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things center your mind on them and implant them in your heart this is pretty much focused on all that's good not the negative but think about what he's saying i know it's it's a lot but think about what he's asking us to do he's saying listen whatever's true honorable worthy of respect whatever is right but whatever is right and confirmed by the word of god so if if there's anything that is false anything that is not worthy to be honored anything disrespectful even how you speak to yourself and how you talk about yourself if it's not worth um respect do not go there don't entertain it no don't entertain it and all of your thoughts need to be confirmed by the word of god if it's not pure if it's not wholesome it doesn't give you peace and it doesn't give you peace it's not lovely it's it's full of hate if it's not admirable if it's not of a good rapport if it's not excellent and if it's not worthy of praise don't think about them Mm. 
and I know, oh my gosh, Marsha, how in the world easier could I? Yeah, it's so easier said than done. But guess what? There are some things that we can do. We can start taking an inventory of the shows that we're watching. The music that we listen to. The music that we're listening to. Let's go back to the shows. Are the shows that you're watching bring you joy or does it does it confirm? Does it feed Yes, does it feed it? Think about the music. Do you put on music to help you stay in that mode? Because if you if you want to stay sad, you're going to put on sad music. I know that I'm definitely not putting on um, anything exciting and happy when I'm going through a moment. You know, uh, are we staying around people who will continue to confirm the nasty thoughts that we have about ourselves? Or do we lock ourselves in our rooms? Yes. Do, do you lock our lock yourself in the room? I will say this. One other thing is, what color are the are are the the paints on your walls? What what pictures do you have up? Because if your room is dark, if you've got pictures up on the wall that are of things that remind you of bad moments, get rid of them. I, I know it sounds really, you know, horrible at in one sense, and it sounds way too simple in another. You got to try it first. Yeah. We, we've literally and symbolically paint our surroundings. Yes. You know, they create they create the atmosphere of how we're going to respond. Yes. So um, in a literal sense, yeah, you know, the colors on our walls, the images that we look at, mm-hmm. you know, do we put up pictures of things that make us happy? You know, if you like trees and flowers, hang up some pictures of trees and flowers that bring you joy when you wake up in the morning that's what you look at Mm -hmm. you know uh um then in the emotional sense do you listen to things and watch things that you know help you carry on the dreariness you know kind of stuff things that you read sometimes too you read you read depressing books and things that whatever things that have no substance you know for you for your spirit but just bring you down that would that go somewhere and you guess, don't just read it for entertainment that goes somewhere. and i'm gonna even say if you are watching the news and, oh and you are allowing it in the morning in the afternoon at night get rid of it there's no hope for you at all no <laughs> there's you, nothing in there you gotta get rid of that nonsense and if some of you are thinking you know what i have to watch the news there's nothing the news is going to say that the bible has not already said there's going to be struggles and this and that and also you can find small little excerpts yeah little little segments no i know people who put it on all the time and and i did not allow the news to be playing in my house with the kids because i'll never forget the faces that the kids made the first time i actually left the news on by accident and one of my children says mommy why did that person shoot the other person and i and i immediately turned it i was like no and i had to have a conversation of why that person did that you understand there are things that things that will create fear into their mind and it's like that 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 leave us in a in a cocoon you know and 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 again yes know what's going on in your neighborhood know what's happening you know Mm -hmm. you know uh be aware of things that are going on but if you're not an active person involved in those kind of things for you know whatever don't let that stuff cloud you and and rob you from who god is originally designed you to be you know and and what he wants you to become and to overshadow your day when he wants your day to be productive and now you make it into something else and 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 you already started off on a negative tone Mm -hmm. these are just small things that you can try doing first so number one 
the place that you find the place that you find safety or solitude look at what it looks like in our room and in my bedroom I have two three four pictures of my kids and then I have a I love you mommy sign on top there's an I'm I love you mommy then there's the through the winter symbol that's up on on my wall and I have pictures of some of my youth I have scriptures that are here and there there are things that you put up to remind you of who you are and what's important no we like Batman and though he's dark we have a cap of Batman. We have a statue of Batman. But it's stuff that we like. Batman makes us happy. That's right. Not, not that makes us sad. Okay, that's a whole different story. <laughs> you also have to look at the people that you're around. Yep. Look at the music. Look at what you're reading. And think about what you're watching as well. Okay? So I want to encourage you just to do some of those things. See what happens. Mm-hmm. See if that makes a change in your life. And this is on top of picking up a prayer life. Yes. Giving times of devotion to God. Yes. You know, find a good devotion that works for you. You might have to scroll through a few different styles and types. You know, you may be one that can watch a 30-minute um, preaching or maybe someone that reads a 10-minute devotion or or listens to an audio version. Find what works for you but and, and, and stick with it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't forget, attending a service, being a part of a study group or, or ministry in your church. That helps too, because when you're serving others or a part of a group, it helps with you getting through the funk that you're feeling for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, it gives you purpose. It gives you something to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. I hope that segment helped you guys a little bit understand a little more of how depression works. Listen, even if it's not you, but you know, uh, people around you, friends, coworkers, family members that are showing these kind of signs may not necessarily always mean that they're suffering with depression, but it's a good thing to know what to look for when things get a little rough in people's lives. We want you guys to be aware that there are Christian programs that exist that can help people who are going through these low moments, maybe those who are going through times of of hardships or, or emotional breakdowns, even those that may have gone through some kind of abuse. There are programs like Celebrate Recovery and others like them. Go online, Google Christian Recovery Programs or Christian Counseling Programs. Look up Celebrate Recovery online. See if there's a local church or area that has the program going on near you. And um, always try to find help in these kind of situations. When you feel low, when you feel alone, and you feel like things just aren't working out, Please don't fight this battle alone. Know that God is looking out for you, and there are programs and there are people there that can help you. Again, if you don't have a local church that you attend, a place where you feel like you can go to the pastor or go to the leaders, find a church, find a place where you can go there and they can help speak to you and encourage you in the ways that you can find hope and find more strength during these times of struggle. All right, guys, we're going to move on to our second segment in a little bit. I'm going to share with you guys about some of my low moments, some of the things that I've gone through and times where I find myself, you know, being weak and finding myself wondering, is it all worth it? Stay tuned. God bless you, friends. On behalf of all of us here at Through the Winters Ministry, I want to say thank you for all the love and for all the support. Through the Winters is here because we want to help people find purpose in their pain, help them find healing from their past, and and give them a drive to keep on pursuing God in all things. If you'd like to help support us, there's two ways you can go about that. The first is through these podcasts. If you listen to us through Google or Spotify or iTunes, on our page in the About section on the last sentence, you'll find a link 
they'll send you to a website where you can sponsor us for either $1, $5, or $10 a month. If you listen to us through a podcast app, there should be a little icon that says support or sponsor. Click on that, and again, it will take you to a spot where you can support us for either $1, $5, or $10 a month. The second way that you guys can support us is by inviting us to your church. We here at Three to Winters have had experience speaking to men's groups, women's groups, youth groups. We've done Sunday morning services. We've helped out in workshops and conferences. Any way that we can help your church, we want to be there. Just give us a call at 718-679-5356. That number again is 718-679-5356. Guys, once again, thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. Any way that we can help you, just give us a call. God bless. Hey everyone, all of us here at Through the Winters are so proud of our son Joseph, who just came out with his first single, Realize. You can look him up on Amazon or on iTunes, look up Joseph Baez, Realize, and download his song. We know you'll enjoy it. Folks, I'm going to talk to you today about something that's kind of personal in the sense of I haven't really shared it in full context. I don't think I'm going to share with you guys every situation where I felt, I think there's been about three times where I felt weak, I felt low, um, and my mind went to places where it definitely should not have gone. And um, so I don't think I'm going to cover all three today. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to focus on one issue in particular, uh, just as I feel led. And um, maybe save the other two for another time as needed. But um, I myself, you know, though I won't even begin to try and connect with those of you who suffer with depression and and have gone through some very clinical stuff and things like that. uh, Please know I'm not trying to at all saying I understand or or even that you know I've been there and, and probably your situation was was definitely maybe a lot more serious than mine but uh, there were a few times where it those things did drive me one time to even contemplating you know suicide uh, where it did drive me to just do things that I know and put myself in a spot where now I, I realize it was not a healthy it was not a right it was not a a correct method in dealing with my issues and my, and my situations. But it, you know, where, where I know I probably can't connect to all of you, um, emotionally, immensely, or even if it's a clinical form of depression, I know that it does at least help me to get a perspective of this is real. You know, this is something that even a believer can go through. Um, all three of my situations pretty much did happen in my teens to early 20 years. Um, and this one in particular that I feel led to talk to you guys about was one during a time, uh, when I was tired of being the right guy. Um, it was hard in, in even times of, in my youth group where, uh, 
everyone was doing certain things. Other ones were, were being, you know, acknowledged in certain ways. Um, many of them were better than me. I was never a sports guy, so I definitely wasn't great at sports. Um, those of you, if you're listening or even if you were to ask some of my friends, there's this one story about a basketball tournament where, you know, uh, my youth leader put me in just out of his grace. And I didn't know what he was saying. Clock was running out and they'd like, throw the ball, throw the ball. It was pretty much, you know, now I know, you know, I know much better now. But they're like, throw the ball. I'm like, what? And they're like, throw the ball. And I didn't realize because the clock was running out. And they wanted me to, from where I was at, just shoot, see if we can get the extra points before the clock ran out. And I'm like, what? And they're like, throw the ball. I'm like, okay. I just And I just tossed it in the air. And man, that haunted me for months, if not years, where they made fun of me. You're like, oh yeah, you know, when you're telling stories and everybody's like, oh yeah, remember when, remember when? And everybody goes, remember when Sammy did this? Yeah, yeah, like, oh, throw the ball, what? And like, we only went like three feet in the air. And I didn't know what was going on. But, you know, so I definitely was not the sports guy, though I did like, you know, I liked watching. I liked, I liked you know, whatever, but I wasn't into sports. It wasn't my, my biggest thing. Um, so I wasn't popular there, you know. I sang, but I wasn't the best singer. I I acted, but I know I wasn't the best actor, you know, for our, the youth drama team and things like that. And uh, it was just hard. But what I did do, I was just me. And and you know, not 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 trying to you know make it sound like anything other. But I, I was just the nice guy, I guess. I was the one that you know it was, it came easy when it came to preaching about you know showing love to your neighbor and things like that. That came easy for me. Um, but what that also did, you know, for me was sometimes make me feel separated when other kids in the youth group and other people would go out and do certain things. Uh, I wasn't invited. I wasn't included because, you know, Sammy's not going to be the one that's going to make us have fun at this outing. It's how I perceived it. No one ever said that to me, but that's how I perceived it. Um, and you know, I wasn't invited to certain things. I was always welcomed, always loved, you know, I got the hugs and, and things like that. But I never felt that I was part of the group in the way that others were. And it made me feel very secluded. And uh, it was it was just hard for me to, to go through. So all that, you know, developed into certain things where, you know, I would feel like people were just using me for whatever they can get out of me. And when I wasn't needed, then I was not even thought of. And it was, it was very hard for me to, to go through that process. As I got older, I found in high school that my non-Christian friends at least appreciated me a little bit more in my eyes, more than, than my Christian friends did. Uh, and that made me start to get bitter towards the church. Now, understand this. In all three of my cases, again, I'm just, I'm just sticking with one. The question for me about God's existence wasn't an issue. I felt like I did always believe in God. And I think in some cases that made it worse for me. It made it harder for me to know that God was real believe that even the scriptures about what it said about who God was and, and all that kind of stuff was real. And it made me probably more bitter at times because how come God's allowing this to happen? Uh, the fact that he was real made me more upset, you know, at, at certain things that were going on. This is also after my father was already killed. Uh, by the time I'm in high school, it's already been a few years. Um, so I'm processing, you know, going through all my firsts without him, you know, kind of things. Uh, and I'm now getting upset because it seemed to me at the time that, you know, my church friends didn't really care as much as my non-church friends. And I think 
it's not even a scenes thing. I think it really was. You know, I, I had some really good friends that uh, respected that I went to church, respected that I believed in God, and but and were just you know good to me. They they I slept over some of their houses. You know, um, one of my best friends who I even loved so much to this day, but we don't communicate as much, and I apologize for that, Phil. You know, but um, uh, it's just it's just uh, he was my best man in my wedding because he was just great in, in everything, and and he was always cast a joke. He goes, man, if I step foot in a church, I'm gonna get struck by lightning. You know, so he was nervous to go be a part of my wedding because he's like man i'm afraid i'm gonna go in there and i'll get struck by lightning he was you know he would be so nervous being in church but i love that man so much because he was just a great friend and wasn't a necessarily a believer i think he believed in god too also but you know not a follower like like you know like regular going to church kind of christian person kind of thing and um it made me get angry it made me get bitter and during a certain stage in my life while i was in high school I noticed the differences of how it's treated in church as opposed to in school or outside of it. And it caused a divide because now also now I'm learning, you know, you have to be the example. You have to be the one that's, that's this and that's that. And I would do that with my non-believing friends. I would sh- let them know that I'm a Christian. I wasn't the best example. I, I, I'm not going to say that I was like the biggest saint, you know. But um, they knew I went to church at least. They knew that I believe in God. They knew I was part of a choir. They, they, they knew that I went there on Sundays and Fridays and Wednesdays, and um, and but that I was real with them at the same time. And and some of them, you know, when they would go through hard times, they would say, "Hey, I know you go to church. Can you at least pray for my mom who's sick or whatever the case may be?" And I found more acceptance from them than I did in the church. And I started getting angry because the church friends were the ones I wanted to connect with. I, I wanted to believe that I was the only one that was listening to the, the youth services and the preachings that my youth pastor would give and the ones that the pastor would you know say. I'm like, okay. And when the challenges were made about going out there and ministering to friends, it sometimes felt, now I might not, might not have been, I'm not trying to throw judgment on anybody, but it, for me, it felt like I was the only one that was listening. And meanwhile, everybody else was having a great time and enjoying whatever. And long story short, it put me into a spot where I just, you know, got angry and in time, what eventually happened was I, in my own way, just pulled away from church. I, I pulled away. I said, you know what? If I'm going to be disrespected, if I'm going to be... And I saw it happening. There were times where I didn't want to go to choir practice. There were times I didn't want to um, show up at the church, you know, except for, you know, the love of my youth pastor and, and a few others that I, that I always loved seeing. There were other ones I'm like, I didn't want to see them anymore because the highs would be fake, you know. Um, my church friends made fun of me more than my you know, then my, my, my non-church friends, you know, so it's like, why would I want to go to that kind of environment? And I just got so, so bitter and so angry and I pulled away. And again, this is all with me believing that God was real, but it made me question things so much. So yes, I pulled out, I, I pulled out of the church. I disconnected from stuff. Um, because of my love for my youth pastor and, and a couple of my leaders, I stayed connected in helping with ministries and things like that. But I, other than that, I didn't want to really do much else. And I didn't want to be involved with, with, with anyone or anything. And I went for a period of time, you know, on my own. I did things. I, I went to the clubs. I went to, to do certain stuff. There's certain things I didn't even want to touch, you know. I, I didn't want to get into heavy drugs because to me, you know, no offense to anyone else. But to me, that was... I, I just felt that was dumb to begin with, so I wasn't even going to bother with that. That I didn't. I wasn't looking for recognition in that sense. I was looking for acceptance, and I didn't feel 
acceptance and I put myself into a low I put myself into a whole big thing where even now the friends from outside though they were great from outside the church though they were great and they were cool I knew there was still something else missing and and uh, I'd come back late night at home you know and would have a great night but still wake up the next morning realizing so now what you know what's what's the big deal and that's why I eventually found myself doing uh, finding ways to just dull my emotions but the next morning when I would wake up I'd wake up to me again and I started to question I said you know what you know, you hear people say, if everyone feels the same way, then maybe not the problem is not them, but it's you. So that's what I did. I looked internally and said, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe, maybe I, I'm, I'm trying to be too holy. Maybe I'm trying to be, you know, or maybe I'm not enough. Or maybe there's something wrong with me. And, and then I started feeding myself these kind of things. And it just went into a, a whole spin. And this lasted for about maybe a year and a half of me trying to toss it up. Meanwhile, school's doing okay still hang out with my best friend you know from from school and 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 he, that, that would be great but i kept on finding myself you know back again just in this rut in this mental state that i just didn't feel comfortable with and i and i knew it wasn't me i i knew it wasn't right but i couldn't figure out what was me so it, the only thing that made sense now was like this doesn't feel right, but I don't know what what's supposed to feel right. So maybe I'm not supposed to be right at all. And it put me to a, eventually to a spot where I was like, do I even matter? And I went into that cycle of my life um, and now started questioning, you know what? They don't care about me here. And though I know there are people that care about me here, do, does, does it really matter if I'm not around, you know? And, um, and it was, it was bad. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, by this time, uh, we had lost another person that I saw as a fa- father figure in my life um, that, you know, kind of helped take up that role in, in in the loss of my dad, you know, that was just there. And it was just like, you know what, it's just it's just think one thing snowballing after another. My brothers, you know, they, they were moving on with their lives. They got married and and I, I was just like, you know, it's 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 starting not to make sense. Um, it's starting not to uh, feel right anymore, and I put myself in a in a spot where I really questioned my life. I really questioned my purpose for life, and I went into a real dark spot uh, in in trying to figure out who I was and if God even needed me. You know, uh, again, there was still some anger towards God. There was still some doubts in figuring out what was important and what wasn't in my life you know uh, if I mattered um, I had dreams that I felt like weren't going to happen you know because things changed in life and I was just like you know what well, what am I even doing this for um, and it just yeah it just it just all snowballed so what finally started to shake me um, and helped me to recognize wait this, this isn't it, um, was the fact that I challenged God in, in, in my life. I got so mad this time. I got so mad that I actually went out. And I don't remember where it was. There, there was a park in the Bronx 
that um, you know you walk far enough and you hit the water. There's like a bay there, um, and and I walked. I, I don't know what was even leading me. I just went for a walk. I didn't. I, it was it was weird hour of the day too. It, I just and I was done. I was done, and I don't think I was going to a spot where I was thinking about ending it. I was too angry to want to end it, you know. Um, but it was more of all right. We're we're gonna talk and. For some of you, this may seem weird, but I just like, I'm, God, we're going to talk and we're going to figure this out and I'm going to challenge you. And I thank God because I think it, I, I look back now and I believe, and not that I think there was the Holy Spirit trying to really spark something in my heart um, to me, figure out the purpose. Uh, I thought it was just me, but looking back at it now, I believe it's the Holy Spirit challenging everything that I had been taught since I was a kid, um, pushing me to a certain spot where I had to slap myself in the face, so to speak. You know, but I went up to God in in my strongest of voice, knowing that no one else was around. It was a secluded spot, and I just I just, I just started telling him, what, "What are you doing? You know, like what's going? What? What?" And I I said some few choice words, yes, to God. I said some few choice words. It was just between me and Him. No one else was around. But I'm like, "What the boo? Am I supposed to do? What on earth do you want me to do? Why? Why do I have to do this?" You know, I, I bend over backwards for this person and they treated me this way. And I do this, 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 and I, and they don't even care. And I do this, 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 and you know, whatever. Like, like what, what, what purpose could I possibly serve? What, what? And it was all the things I was taught, whether small or big, coming back at me from church. All the things that I, I learned from a preaching or from a teaching. All the things maybe I sung or, or whatever, hitting me back. And those things kept on coming up, you know different choir songs or different worship songs and or different preachings or different sayings that I heard my youth pastor say or my pastor say um popping up and I'm like but but how does that matter and and yeah I know that you did I know I know that you say you love me but but I'm not feeling the love now like it was as if I was arguing but it really was just me I know God was there but I, I would say the the yeah but you know he loves me in my head and I, I would say but you know I love you I'm like, yeah, I know that you love me and I'll respond verbally though you know and I'm like, but but how can this and this and this? And it's like, you know, I have a purpose for you. What purpose could you possibly have? No one even cares that I'm gone. No one even missed me. I'm like, and it, and it would go back and forth, back and forth. I was there for maybe like, I would say an hour and a half, um, just yelling, arguing, crying. I definitely started crying. Um, punching the ground, throwing the rock, you know, um, having my own weird wilderness moment, I guess. I don't know. It was just, it was crazy. It ended with the challenge. It ended with, all right, you want this? You want this? Then I'm going to give you this amount of time. I'm going to give you this this uh, period of my life. And But God, you got to show me that this is all worth it. Like something has to come out of this. You know, something has to show me. I, I don't want, I don't want riches. I don't want this. I don't want that. But show me that there's, that there is a plan here. I think that's where I got the idea of when years later when I would talk to my youth group um, about give God 30 days, give God, you know, 40 days of you really being obedient to his word, you really dedicating time to him, you know, and let him show you who, who he is, um, because that's what I did. I gave God a, a timetable of me really being submissive and finding purpose. Now, I walked away angry. But I walked away determined, you know, saying, 
if this is real, then you got to show me. And, and I, I have to see this, you know, for myself. And for those next 30 to 40 days, I did the best that I could, and you know, to get into my word, to devote myself to ministry wholeheartedly, um, to commit myself that when I sat in a service and, and, and that was the start of me, even to this day, you know, I go somewhere, you know, people have their phones, they have their pads, they have their laptops out, whatever. I'm still writing. I'm still writing the notes. I'm still writing things down, jotting things down. It's how I take in, how I absorb. And, I, and so I sat down and said, all right, I'm going to jot down these notes. I'm going to write down these notes. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to it and, and pull what I can from it. Even if it was a preaching that maybe was far to the left and, 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 and it had nothing to do with with anything that maybe I was going through, I was going to find at least one verse that I can use to, to meet me where I was at. And I learned how to do that. I, I pushed myself to hear from God and, and, and give him the chance to really speak to me. Come those 30 days and 40 days when that was all done, um, I didn't have every answer. Um, all my problems weren't gone, but I saw purpose. I saw areas where like, you know what, there's a need here and maybe I can help it. You know what? I don't have to be the popular one. I don't have to. And so God helped me walk through those kind of things and, and, and help me see, you know, it doesn't have to be the way that you see it. Sometimes it, it may not make you the most popular person and may put you in certain situations, but I saw God blessing me and, and would submit. And I wanted to give back to the younger generation you know, uh, uh, what was given to me. I saw the need cause I saw the benefit, even though I went through a hard spell, I saw the benefit of what my youth pastor and, um, those father figures and my mom and, and my brothers, what they put into me into, into certain things in the absence of a father and what, what people put in and they poured in even in the most simplest of, of ways, I wanted to give that back, you know? And when I saw faces of the younger generations, I was like, these kids need help. And if I'm willing to step up, I want to be that help. I think that's what got me even more now to accept the position of a youth pastor years after that, you know. But um, I just say all this because, listen, some of us may be going through those dry spells, those lonely moments, may actually be suffering with diagnosed depression, you know, and things that we face. And you've heard Marsha say it earlier in the podcast if you're taking medication and you're seeing a doctor and you got to go through these counseling sessions or whatever the case may be, please continue them and go through them. But I would like to throw out also the hope of Jesus Christ to you too. Um, sometimes coming to the Lord and, and coming to the knowledge of Christ in your life may not take away all the problems. The problems will still be there. And that's key to know for a lot of people. Some people think they go to the altar and ask Jesus to their hearts and everything now is going to be picture perfect. That's a lie. It's, it's, it doesn't happen that way. All the time. I have heard some situations where, man, things radically happen, you know, but there was still a process. Regardless, there was still a process that the individual had to go through about changing their way of thinking, seeing things in new light, seeing things in under different perspectives, um, disciplining themselves in the ways of, of God, learning the word and what it was that he wanted them to do. And that's why I want to encourage you guys. In, in this moment, when if you're, if you're going through these moments, if you go through those low moments or you have those diagnoses, do what you got to do, what's given to you medically. But I want to encourage you also to give Jesus a chance. You know, there's so much more that he helps fill in in these gaps of hope, of faith and of understanding. He when you read the word and you get the picture of the word and, and you, you know, 
the Bible isn't just filled with stories. It's filled with, whether you want to believe it or not, I 100% believe. The Bible's not filled with stories that are made up. It's filled with stories of people that actually lived and what happened when God intervened. When And over half of them are when they allowed God to lead them. You know, we hear some of the, the bad ones and mistakes. I love it because the Bible is full of people who made mistakes, you know, and, and, and people who, who went went up against God and people who who loved the Lord but yet lived selfish ways and, and how, how they, you know, struggled and they went through certain things. But in all that mess, the good and the bad of, of, of what's in the word, you get to see who God is overall. You can't look at one story. You can't just look at one story and say David and Goliath and say that you know God now. I, I know how God thinks now. Look, oh, because he did that and he did that. Or, you know, you can't look at one situation and, and with Moses and say, okay, yeah, look, see, that's how God is. No, you got to look at the whole picture. The scripture is there to give you the whole picture. Look, Taking out one story and one bit isn't going to give you the full spectrum of who God is. And you don't have to know the Bible cover to cover, but look at this, understand what's, what, what each uh, experience and each story that's in there is, is, is saying about who God is. And I started to do that and it helped me understand a lot better that, yeah, Jesus is love and he does show mercy just as much as he'll show, you know, uh, wrath and anger, you know, to those, those who, who, who he chose to bring that to. But he also shows the guide of how to live a life where you don't have to be burdened with no hope. You don't have to be burdened with the idea that, that you have no future and there's no strength in you. So, you know, why bother and you don't matter in, in finding out who Christ is for you, find mentors. You need, you need, you need to find a church that's going to preach and is going to speak the true gospel to you. Um, and if you're never sure, you know, if this is the right thing, listen, God will speak to you just as much. You'll speak to the Pope, just as much. You'll speak to, to, to the biggest pastor or world renowned speaker you can think of. He will speak to you and just seek him and say, God, you know, I, I need to know if this feels right. Is this where you want to have me, you know, and let him show you who you really are. And I think he'll do it in ways that we're expecting a big result. We're expecting the burning bush. We're expecting the red sea to part. You know, we're expecting all these kind of big symbols. I was desperate enough, and I thank the Holy Spirit again, because I give him credit for this moment. I was desperate enough that though my answers weren't given, though all my problems weren't taken away, I at least saw purpose. I saw where I could help. I saw where I could inspire someone else. And that, in doing that, made me see Christ more. Um, it's another thing that I point to this. Sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I can't serve. I can't do anything. I can't do it because I'm going through right now. I'm not in the right mental state. You'll never be in the right mental state. Never. By just sitting and doing nothing and waiting for God to just, you know, fix it all. Because even if he does fix one thing, there's going to be another thing that comes up. There's gonna be another, and there's always going to be an excuse to not serve, to not be a part of what God. You want to see God move? Let him move through you. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, you want to see God move. And so you're looking for this person and that person and that person to say the right things to you. And this person and that person and that person to, to do this for you. And, and and then you'll know that it's real. And then you'll know it's it's right. In order for them to be what you need them to be, that means that they had to be obedient to do what God called them to do. So don't you think that he wants you to be obedient too? And that's what at a young age I started to recognize. You know what? 
when I just do and not care about what others aren't doing for me, God and it was the coolest lesson I learned when it comes to that. Because as I served and was, was obedient to God, the issues mentally and emotionally for me of where I thought I was missing things and things lacked, God filled them in somehow. And, and I can't put the pieces together, you know, uh, physically or verbally for you on how he did it, but it just did. He, he just did it. Like, and I found purpose. I found drive. I desired from that point on to learn the word more, to move further. And, and, and I got comfortable in, in, in my own ways of, of how I, I did. I saw God. And that's another story for another time because I, a new challenge presented itself eventually in a couple of years down the road. But um, it motivated me enough to know that that time when I was punching the ground and screaming, what, what? And even cursing and just letting it out because I was done. I was done. At least it pushed me. I, I'm grateful to God that it pushed me to challenge him. It's like, all right. And I think I thought I was uh, being the bad boy, you know? It's like, all right, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this amount of time to show me. I thank God that I was obedient to I wasn't going to be stubborn. Like I said, I sat and I and I wrote. Um, I, I continued to to serve, you know, as my youth pastor needed me and in and, and ministries and things like that. I did I did what I felt needed to be done. Um, but I did it. I did it thinking that it was we no resolve. But little by little, man, God started picking up my heart and started changing my perspective. And um, I hope this helps you understand a little bit more. Jesus loves each and every one of us, and there is a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. I uh, I heard one of my friends, Todd Bishop, uh, was a great pastor in, in church in Long Island. You know, he says, "You want to grow, then you have to go. You're like you you can't just grow, expect to grow in the things of God, and and just sit there and say, okay, God, fill me with your spirit, or." take away my sadness and make me feel you have to go you have to move and do and take action to have control over what it is that god has for you because god is not going to force feed us he's not going to be a bully we a lot of times we 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 tell god we don't want him to bully us and and force us into certain things but yet we want him to do this this and this for us you know make it make it happen and we we kind of like tell God what, what we want and what we don't want and how, how we want him to intervene and not to intervene. Don't touch this, but help me out over here. Don't move this way, but, but, uh, bless me over here, you know, and it just doesn't work like that. We have to sometimes stop being stubborn and stop doing what we know we should stop doing and then move in obedience to as he's directing us. And he'll show us what we were meant to do. He'll, he'll keep challenging us and providing for us ideas and ways of growth. So, um, yeah, I hope this is a blessing to you guys. And um, this is just a small part. Like I said, there's two other versions of when I really hit a low and challenges met, you know, in my life. And I'll probably share them, you know, in future episodes. I'm sure I will. Um, But in this one particular situation, uh, I hope it just helps you guys have an understanding that God is good and he does care about you. He's looking. He's looking to show you what your purpose is. But give him that opportunity. You know, again, if you're taking stuff medically and things like that please don't we're not at all saying stop that you know and seek a doctor but also get yourself planted in the church you know be involved in ministry find ways that that you can serve in other ways and it will help it will help it may not resolve every problem 
but at least start showing you maybe who God is in your life and what he wants to do and start what he wants to start doing in your life as well. So God bless you guys. We love you. I love you. And most of all, the Lord loves you. All right, everyone, we want to make sure that you know how to connect with us here at Through the Winters Ministry. And you can do that by going to throughthewinters.com. Again, throughthewinters.com. There, you'll be able to find out any information you want to know about Through the Winters Ministry. You can read our articles, both old and new. You even have an opportunity to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Guys, you can also find us on Facebook. Just type in Through the Winters Ministry on the search engine, and it'll take you right to our page. We hope you enjoy our ministry just as much as we enjoy serving you. God bless you all.